Good morning. Oh man, this is a rowdy crowd today. You know when the, like, the announcements are live? That just means you guys are rowdy. You guys had that extra cup of coffee. Uh, good looking crowd too. I hope you're taking lots of pictures today. Some of you fellas, I haven't seen you guys dressed up like this in quite a while. So I'm real proud of you. Thanks for stepping your game up here. Uh, but uh, if you're first time here, welcome to Grace Church. I get the honor and privilege to lead this church as the lead pastor, but uh, you know these moments are always big, right? Like we have these, these, these big services, and this is one of them, but I also want you to take a deep breath with me right now. Come on, just take a deep breath. Because there's no pressure today to be something that you're not. This is the church that's real with real people, and we're just trying to live this life the best we can to honor God, to know him better. And if that's something that resonates with you, then and welcome home, because that's what we're about here at Grace Church. But uh, it's so exciting. Happy Easter. Hope you've already had a good start to your Easter morning. I mean, what an amazing time to be uh, part of what God is doing on earth. That all around the world right now, there's many people that are learning about the gospel and celebrating the risen Savior. Isn't that awesome? We get to be part of that today. We get to be part of that. Well, I I think it's interesting that all these uh, holidays that we have, they all come with their own traditions, their own traditions, and, and maybe your family has traditions, you grew up with traditions on, on what Easter's like in your household. Uh, I, I wanna know, who's the person that started this whole Easter basket thing, you know? Come on, parents, you agree with me? Come on, sometimes that gets a little crazy. So. Well, in the Laura household, uh, we kinda added a little tradition to ours. Uh, when we give our Easter baskets to our kids, Misty and I, we like to hide them. And the harder, the better, right? Who does that? How many parents are, are crazy with like us, right? We like to hide them. We, we, we want them to work a little bit for all those good things in that basket, right? I, I, and part of it is because it's just amusing for us, you know? We just think it's kind of fun <laughs> to just watch them look around the house. My, my, my son, uh, he doesn't have Easter baskets anymore, okay? This, so I just want to make that clear. <laughs> he wanted me to make that clear. But um, I remember one year, we, we thought it would be really fun to, because uh, normally they're searching around the house, but we thought it would be really fun to put his out, outside on a tree, and it was just so fun to watch him look scramble all over the house, and he's watching his sisters get their Easter baskets, and, and he's just looking and digging and turning everything upside down, and then eventually he looks outside and he sees his basket up on a tree. And it was pretty fun to watch him climb that tree, too, to get his basket. <laughs> you know, we also do it because we want our kids to kind of have this thing instilled in them to, to, to know what it was like, maybe, to be part of that first eyewitnesses, that we're looking for Jesus and couldn't find them. Oh, they were searching for Jesus. And yet they come to this empty tomb, and that's really what this whole Christ, uh, Easter moment is all about. They come to this tomb, and they realize that he's not there. So then where is he? But then there's a messenger there, a messenger from heaven. And he turns to them, and he says, he's not here. He is risen. He is risen. Come on, everybody say, he is risen. He is risen. Wow, that's such good news. I mean, that phrase alone has changed everything for you and I. Not only for that day, but today. He has risen. The angels proclaimed it 2,000 years ago, and everything's changed. How did everything change? Why did everything change? And what does that all mean? Well, my hope is to do my best to share with that, share with you what this all means, why this matters. And this is what I've come to, because I believe that it's important for us to know Because every single one of us, no matter who you are, we all have something in common here. We all have this problem. And here's this problem that we all struggle with. 
The things that we want to do, we don't do, and the things that we don't want to do, we can't, and the things we try to do, we can't sustain. You know what I'm talking about? When you try to do the right things and, and, and you're trying to move in that direction, but there's something that's stopping you, something that, that hinders that, there's something that's not able to, 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 for you to break through. In those moments, in those struggles, what do we do? Where do we turn? It's the cycle that we have in our lives where we, we get in this pattern and it goes on and on and on and we don't seem to be able to ever feel like we're getting it right. I mean, we have our moments, but let's be honest, there's many more moments where we feel like we fell in that spot. Am I the only one that struggles in that way or have had that struggle? But today I wanna share with you that the resurrection of Jesus Christ can help us break free from that cycle. That's what makes it the good news. That's what this whole Easter story is about, that no matter how much you fail or mess up or trip up or struggle, God does not leave us that way. God doesn't distance himself from us. If you've heard that before in the past, I wanna tell you that that's not in the Bible. Because every time I read the Bible, we serve a God, we see a God through the scriptures, that he's a God that draws near. He's a God that comes to those that are in distress, those that call out. And he doesn't just come near, but he also embraces us. He embraces us. And that, my friends, is the good news. That's what we're celebrating today. If you didn't know, now you know. That's, that's what we're celebrating, is that that is the good news. But what's the bad news? There is some bad news. The bad news is that we couldn't do it on our own. And Lord knows we've tried, right? Like I mentioned, we tried. And if we look back in our lives, and I think that if we're honest with ourselves, we can remember times where we've had our most epic fails, right? We, if we think about that for just a little bit, it makes us cringe, doesn't it? Ooh, I don't like thinking about that too long. And we're honest with ourselves, we regret those fails, we regret those mess ups. Now I know what some of you might say. You might say, well, you know what, I've learned some valuable lessons with those things, and I get it. But I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we wish that we wouldn't have to learn those lessons the hard way. Now some of us are bearing scars. Some of us are going through that right now. Some of us, there's too much collateral damage of what we've done, and we feel like the, that hitting that happened or that fell, that mess up, that slip up, whatever it is, we just can't move past. It's still lingering in our hearts. And if that's you today, if that resonates with you, then I'm so glad you're here today. Because I read this Easter message, I read this gospel truth that tells me that this Easter Sunday, it's all about the message of resurrection. It's all about the message of a new start. It's all a message about a fresh beginning. I don't know about you, but I know that that is some good news. That's why you're here. That's what God is trying to, to, to reveal to you today. Now, there's a story in the Bible where there's this family that found themselves to be in a hopeless situation. Now, we've all been there at times, right, where you feel helpless and hopeless. That's just life. Like, we've had moments like that. And we've had moments in our own doing like that where we have done things, and out of our mess-ups and out of our failures, we have to live in a little bit of this hopelessness. But you know what's worse than that feeling? You know what's worse than that moment? When you feel that way and you go through that, and it's not your fault. You ever been there? Well, that's what these people were experiencing. This is the situation that these sisters found themselves in when their brother died. He died from an illness. And they were watching their brother get worse and worse and they hoped and hoped and hoped that Jesus would come and that he would heal them. But Jesus didn't come the way that they hoped. And that was disappointing for them. That was discouraging. That felt hopeless and they felt helpless. They saw their brother pass and they grieved the loss and they did a funeral and 
got to the end and they buried him and they put him in the tomb. And what the Bible tells us is in this story that Jesus ends up showing up. Jesus ends up showing up in town. And these people thought, these ladies thought, man, it's too late. And so both sisters come and they greet Jesus and they run up to Jesus as he's on his way in to town. They said, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. How many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, have ever felt that way before? Have we ever felt that way where we looked at God and we said, God, if you would have, this wouldn't have happened if, come on, you can fill in the blank. And what I love about this story and what we see about this Jesus that we're talking about is that Jesus responds to them, not in offense. He doesn't even defend himself, but Jesus' response is in compassion and in hope. How do I know? Because the Bible gives us this. It gives us this, this, the shortest verse, but the most profound verse in all of scripture. It says that when he heard that from them, he wept. Oh, I'm here to tell somebody this morning that if you're in that state, if you're feeling that hopelessness, that despair in your soul, I wanna tell you that you serve a savior. I'm telling you about a savior who can sit down and understand what you're going through and that he will weep with you. And he's not one that just understands, but he's a, he's a God who stood next to those that grieve. And then he was a God of compassion. He turned to one of the sisters and as she brought this to him, she, he said this in John 11. He says, I am the resurrection and the life, the ones who believe in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? In this moment, Jesus is revealing to her this message that he is bigger than the mess ups, that he is bigger than the failures. He is bigger than the unfortunate circumstances that our life can bring us into. And my hope is that your heart is anchored in that fact, that the resurrection was for all and end all. And in him, there is true life. That's the message of Easter. That's why we're celebrating so loud. That's why it got a little rowdy during worship. Because we believe this stuff. Because we've experienced his resurrection power. And his resurrection power has transformed many of us in this room. That's what this is about. So many of us may have not felt that this transformation happened. Some of us have not experienced this. And that's why you're here. I believe that it's not just because somebody invited you. because It's because God brought you. And he wants you to know that this is possible and that's what this resurrection means. But for, in order for this to happen, it has to happen in your heart first. It's this power of this truth and how it can transform someone's life and move them from despair to hope. It can move them from personal failure to having great victory. And it can move us from death into life. That's the power of the resurrection. That's why we're here. Now this morning I wanna give you three simple truths about this. All right, three. So if it's your first time here, you can breathe easy. I'm only giving you three simple truths, okay? <laughs> I know some of you are like, oh man, what am I doing? You're sweating. Three simple truths of how the resurrection can transform your life. And if you're new here, if you're new to church, this is your first time, you're exploring Christianity, I wanna tell you, keep investigating. Yeah. Keep asking questions. Come on, if you have a lot of questions, come on, take me out the coffee, all right? Pay for the coffee and I'll <laughs> listen to you, all right? The stronger, the better. Okay? And I'll answer your questions because I think it's worth checking out. It's worth investigating. It's worth investigating. So I'm glad you're here. Now, if, you, if this is your church and you've been around for a while, then I hope that today will strengthen your faith and it will renew your commitment of following this risen Savior. I hope that. I hope that the message of the, of the resurrection doesn't get old to you. And if it's your first time in a long time, 
It's been a while since you've been part of church, and I want to say welcome home. I'm so glad you're here. There's a place for you here. But my point is this, is that this message, this sermon today is for everybody. So can we pray? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be around amazing people today. God, people that you love and you care for. And I pray, God, that you help me do my best to present what you've done so that it can transform lives today. We thank you for your holy word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so our first truth, our first thought is this, is that the resurrection has the power to transform someone from despair into hope. Transform despair into hope. See, we can't get the full meaning of hope unless we get honest about the despair. Each and every single one of us walks with a certain level of discouragement at times. And that's just life. That's what we go through. You know, we have a family member that has hurt us. We have a boss that challenges us. We have a teacher who's difficult, and we have a kid that's hard to raise. Come on, don't point any fingers right now. <laughs> Some of us are battling sickness. Some of us are battling financial crisis. I mean, we came here, you're looking good, and everything looks good on the outside, but maybe on the inside, maybe there's some of us are struggling with these issues. I want to tell you, you're in a safe place. We're all real people in this place. But there's this brokenness that we can't escape in this world, and no matter who you are, you're going to face it, and discouragement, when it's left unchecked, turns into despair. Now, there's this great clinical researcher He's a neuroscientist, his name is Andrew Newberg, and he wrote this book called The Most Dangerous Word in the World. You want me to tell you what that is? <laughs> he says that everybody has a psychological response to this one word, and the word is no. Come on, turn to somebody next to you and say no. Ooh, how'd that feel? <laughs> See, what his research did is that he hooked people up to an MRI machine, and he took pictures of their brain, and and what he did was he would show them the word no. And he would only show it to them for a millisecond, not even a full second. And what he realized in his study shows is that just a tiny bit of exposure to the word no transferred these, these, these messages into someone's heart that actually started to give them anxiety hormones. And it limited their logic. It limited their ability to think. It limited their ability to communicate and talk. See, these negative hormones actually seized up these people's lives, and it happened when they heard the word no. Everybody say no one more time. No. Now, we know no is not a bad word. We need to hear no from time to time. Some of you need to hear more, no more often. <laughs> However, what happens when no is so lodged into your psyche that it filters the way you see the world? It filters the way you see yourself. It filters the way you see others, and Ultimately, maybe how you see God. Like I said, there might be some of us in this room today, and you may not show it up front, but on the inside, you are overwhelmed with the word no. No. And I could say and share with you this Easter story and tell you that this first witnesses of this first Easter story, they were overwhelmed with the word no. No to their hopes. No to their dreams, no to their thoughts of Jesus' kingdom. It all seemed to be shattered on that first Easter morning as they're heading towards this tomb. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Mark chapter 16. 
Starting in verse one, it says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus's body. Very early on that first day of the week, just as after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Now, I don't know if they were just so distraught on what happened on Friday. I don't know if they just couldn't find the dudes, the, the disciples, right, to help them out, but for some reason, they're heading over to this empty tomb, and, they get, and they're getting there halfway there, and they're realizing they forgot an important detail. How are we gonna get in? You ever been that way? You ever got to some place, right, and you forgot the keys? You can imagine it felt that way. You know, that feeling of when it rains, it pours, it's already bad what they had to do, let alone now they feel like they can't do it. That's a feeling of despair. And they were wondering what's gonna happen. And what's amazing to me is they kept walking because they didn't know what else to do. And so they continued to walk and do that journey to that, to that tomb. And I can imagine that it might have been awkwardly silent because all of a sudden they had all these thoughts about Jesus and what could have been, what should have been. Oh, Jesus, we trusted you. We thought you were gonna change everything. You thought you were gonna change us, change the world. We were so ready for this. And all of a sudden that all became broken and fallen apart. See, that's the real essence of despair. See, you understand where they were at. But I'm so glad that the story does not end there. I'm so glad that there's more to the story. See, another word that we have to consider is the opposite word of no. What is it? Yes. Come on, turn to that person you said no to, now say yes. <laughs> yeah, it puts a smile on your face, doesn't it? Do you remember... Your first job, think back, what was your first job, right? You applied and, and, and you, you put in for it, you've been waiting, you were waiting to hear that first yes. Remember that first yes of your first job that they approved, that you got the job? Come on, fellas, those of you who are married, do you remember the nerve you had to work up to, to, to propose to your bride? And you remember what it felt like to hear her say yes? I mean, some of you guys had to do it a couple of times, but eventually she said yes, right? <laughs> I've heard some of your stories. Way to go. Way to keep trying. You know, one that gets me a lot is, is when somebody uh, hands over their baby to me, because usually when they hand over their baby for, for me to hold the baby, the baby looks at me and kind of gives me this weird look, and then all of a sudden they cry, and they get that quiver lip, you know? And I'm trying to tell them, like, no, I'm really a good guy, like I promise, right? But when somebody hands over a baby, which happened to me last week with Carlos and Abby, they, they, they let me hold their baby, and she looked at me, and she gave me this big old smile. I'm telling you, that was a big old yes. It made me feel good. She approved. See, just like there's a psychological response to the word no, we also have this deep and satisfying response to the word yes when it's proclaimed over our life. Here's a deep theological question that you need to consider on Easter. When you imagine God, when you imagine God, does he speak a no over you? Or have you learned that no matter what your experience was with church or church people or religion, but I want you to understand that he already gave you a yes. By him coming down from heaven and coming and living this life and teaching us and walking to the cross and giving his life for us, and we've been sitting on that for the last couple of weeks here at Grace. We understand the magnitude of that statement. We know what he's done for us, but I'm telling you that that shows us that he said yes that he approves, 
In all of your anxieties, in all your fears, he says yes. In all your insecurities, he says yes. In all your doubts, he says yes. In whatever circumstances you came here today, I want to tell you that God's looking at you and he's saying yes. God has given you a yes in Christ Jesus. How do I know? Because Romans 5.8 says this, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were rebellious towards God, while we didn't want anything to do with God, while we were living on our own, while we were doing everything and anything to get away, he still loved us, died for us, and chose us. So there is a yes in God. Let's keep reading this Easter story. Remember, they're going to this tomb, and they know that they can't get in, and, and they're expecting to see a dead body, and they get there, and the stone is rolled away. The tomb is empty, and there are no guards but there's an angelic figure sitting where Jesus' body once laid. Verse four, it says, when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Imagine that. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. I think that's the biggest understatement in the Bible, right? (laughs) My goodness. And he says, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He died. You saw him but he's not here, he's risen, he's not here, he's risen, wow, in that moment, these women were the first witnesses to hear the yes of all yeses, because they understood that in that yes, it changed everything, in that fact that he is risen, it changed everything, not just for them, but for all mankind, no longer do people have to stumble around through life looking for hope, looking for hope in this job, in that relationship, no, We've been there, we've done that, and we've got a big fat no and a dead end. It doesn't fulfill us with what we're longing for. Looking for peace, but getting a no. Looking for purpose and getting a no. No longer are people subjected to living this, this, this list of rules and hoping that maybe at the end of their life they might bring all these good deeds before God and say, God, will you let me into your heaven because I've done all these things? With just this hope that maybe, maybe he might just let me get in. And the answer would be no. Because according to the Bible that I said, that, that doesn't work. Can't be done. So we've had the overwhelming feeling of no. But the Bible sees, tells us that with this empty tomb, there's proof that in Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, that it seems that he said yes to his son's sacrifice for you and I. That's what the empty tomb means. That's the proof that we see. That, Jesus, that God gave us a yes through Jesus' sacrifice. And this changed these women's lives. They went from being in despair to being hopeful because they realized that death is not the end with Jesus. Come on, some of us are living on some, some places that we feel like there's something dead in me, there's something dead in this relationship, in this situation. But I'm telling you, with Jesus, it's not dead. There's resurrection. And that gave them hope. Even, if, even though they didn't fully understand how, they understood who. That Jesus was who he said he was. Everything that was promised was true. Imagine this. When all of a sudden this realization came to, to them fully to say he is who he says he was. Everything he taught us was true. I mean, just imagine that. When he told people their sins are forgiven, all of a sudden they realized their sins are forgiven. When he told somebody, hey, I will never forsake you, guess what? They realized he will never forsake us. I mean, everything that he taught, everything that they learned from him, all of a sudden it was 100% true and that changed everything. Come on, some of us remember that day when we gave our lives to Jesus and we realized that the Bible is true and he's real and that changes everything. 
And that ignited hope in them so much that they left that tomb and ran to the disciples and they couldn't help but to tell everybody that he is risen. And that changed their despair into hope. Why? Because the cross equals yes, amen? The cross equals yes. Let me tell you, there is also a no that we have to battle. And it's not a no that we hear from others, but it's the no that we tell ourselves. The shame that we can't remove. See, the resurrection doesn't just change us, transform our despair into hope, but the resurrection has the power to transform our personal failures to personal victories. See, instead of defining yourself for what you've done, why not God is calling you to define yourself for what he's done for you? See, the Easter story is just a reminder that Jesus still loves those who have failed. How do I know? Well, does anybody remember the apostle Peter? Sometimes I think that God puts him in the Bible just to make me feel better, you know? Because, you know, he was the most hot-headed and most outspoken of disciples. He came to Jesus and he promised Jesus that he wouldn't do something and he did it anyways. He broke that promise, but on that first Easter story, when God is given this message from heaven and telling the disciples that he is risen, he tells them, hey, tell them all, but especially Peter. Look what it says. He says, but go tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. He says, go tell them all, but make sure Peter knows. Make sure Peter understands that his failure is not bigger than me. Make sure he knows that I still love him. I feel like maybe there's some of us here that are sitting in some of that failure mode and we can't remove that from our lives. We feel like we can't move past that moment and maybe that stopped us from coming to a place like this because we feel like we're not accepted. Jesus has accepted you already. He's given you a yes today and he's telling you that your failure is not bigger than him. And he's telling you that he's given you a yes and he still has a plan for your life just like he did for Peter. He says, yeah, Peter, I knew you would fail. I told you you would fail, but I told you to keep your eyes on me, that I will keep you and that I could still use you because I didn't change my mind. I wanna tell somebody, God did not change his mind on you, even in our failure. But you have a choice. You can either be controlled by your failures or you can give Jesus control of your failures. My hope this morning is that maybe some of us today will get to that place where we're getting honest with ourselves and we're saying, man, I'm tired of holding this. This is way too heavy for my life. I'm here to give it to Jesus. You're gonna have an opportunity for that. But you know, when I talk about failures and regrets, oftentimes the biggest ones are relational, aren't they? Those are the hardest ones to move past. Those are the deepest wounds, especially family. But can we be honest? That's why I wanna invite you, because God put this on my heart, but I wanna invite you next week, because next week I feel like there's a, there's a certain series that's gonna be special, and it's gonna be talking about relationships and how to move past those hurts and grow. It's, a, it's a, a series called Relationship Goals. Come on, sometimes we put that on a hashtag on a post, right? When we see this, you know, relationship that we wanna aspire to, you know, we, they seem perfect on Instagram, right? And you're just like, relationship goal, right? Like, that's what we want. And sometimes we have this false perception of people or relationships and we think that there's this perfect couple out there and this perfect marriage and this perfect parenting and this perfect, 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 right? And we get discouraged and we're like, let me tell you, there is no perfect any of that because they're not perfect people. But you know what there is? Healthy relationships. And I believe that the Bible has the blueprint on how to build those. So if you're interested in that, please join us next week as we dive into this series and look at the biblical 
foundations of how to build the right relationships. So eventually, Peter meets up with the resurrected Jesus after his moment of failure. And Jesus didn't embarrass him. Jesus didn't chastise him. Jesus didn't disqualify him. Actually, he does the opposite. He forgives him, and he tells him, I got a job for you. After that experience with the resurrected Jesus, Peter finally realized what the grace of God was all about. Come on, some of us are ready, ready for that moment. So the resurrection has power to transform despair into hope, power to transform our personal failures into our greatest victories. And lastly, the resurrection transforms death into life. Death into life. You know, as a pastor, I'm often called to the bedside of people in their last moments on earth. And I want to tell you that that's, that's a great honor and privilege for me to pastor them through that stage of their life, through their final days, through their final hours. And I, I'm humbled by that opportunity that God gives me. And I'll sit in their bedside, I'll hold their hand, I'll talk to them, I'll encourage them, I'll read scripture to them, I pray for them and their family. And it, it, it's, it's a, it's a uh, holy moment. You know, most people around that stage of their life and that time when they're talking to me, you know the one thing they really want to talk about? One thing they really ask their pastor about? They ask him to tell them about the glory of heaven. The glory of heaven. And so I comfort them with this promise that Jesus gives us. And I want to just read that to you, what I read to them. It's in John chapter 14, verse 2 and 3. Jesus promised his believers, he promised his disciples, he promised those that surrender their life to him, that choose to follow him. He says this, he says, my father has many rooms. And if it were not so, I would not have told you. But I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me. So where you will be, I will be also. I'm telling you, that is so comforting for many people to realize that Jesus is preparing a place for them. See, we humans, we, we have this deep denial of one of the most absolute things of our existence, our death. We all have to pass on someday. We don't wanna face that fact. We try to avoid it, we try to deny it, we try to not think about it too long, and I get it, it's scary, right? It's unknown, there's a mystery about it. It's hard sometimes, and, and especially when that's happening among your life and you feel the loss of the weight of a loved one. But I do my best to comfort people with this biblical truth, this promise that Jesus gave. The truth of the matter is that for a believer, we have this hope of a resurrection. We have this hope of a resurrection. We have this belief that our death is also our gain. Because we know that the passing of this life will enter us into an eternal life with Jesus. For a believer in Jesus, death is not the end. It is only the beginning. Death is not the end, it is only the beginning. Jesus' resurrection on Easter morning was proof. Remember what Jesus said to Mary? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one that believes in me will live even though they die. 
and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he turns to her and he says, do you believe this? I feel like Jesus is asking us the same question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Because how you answer that question will change your destiny. And I wanna tell you this morning that God's plan for your life is to draw near to him. God's hope for you, God's desire for you is to be changed and transformed in your destiny through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that you will live even though you die. Jesus proved on the cross that he has covered us if we believe in him. And we're given this opportunity to gain this new life, this eternal life forevermore. And though we may die, we will continue to live. And once you understand this, once this becomes part of who you are, once this has transformed your life, I'm telling you that it will change how you live every day of your life. I want to tell you that you were paid for, you were offered forgiveness through Christ. Christ made a way for you to have this opportunity today to receive this new life, this eternal life. And I want to tell you that this, what I'm talking about, it's not just this grand wish or hope, but it's a living hope because Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He is risen. The tomb is empty. And because it's based on Jesus' words and it's based on what Jesus wants to give you, that I'm telling you that it becomes our living hope. Our living hope. I invited the worship team to come and close us out with a song. I think it's, it was amazing how we got into that space of worship, you know? I mean, what best, what, what a better way to, there's nothing better, I guess, than to spend this morning just worshiping the king what he's done for us, our champion, our savior. And it was amazing. And I felt like it was just appropriate that we end our service in the same manner, that we walk out of here and victorious through Christ. The resurrection has changed us. But I also know that there might be some of us today that haven't received this yet. We haven't received and experienced this resurrection power. It hasn't transformed us. So I wanna invite you to receive that this morning. So can we just close our eyes and bow our heads? I believe God brought you here to hear this message. And he wants to invite you into this new life. He wants to show you that there is a yes over your life. Some of you have not felt that. And I want to tell you this morning from the word of God that you have a yes and amen in Christ. And if that's you today, if you feel in your heart that you've never made this decision before and you're saying, Jesus... I believe that you are the resurrection and the life. And I want the promise of heaven and I want the promise of life here. So I ask you right now, forgive me of my sins. I believe that if you're sincere in your heart and you can confess your sins before God, he will wash you clean. He will change you and transform you and you will receive that resurrection power rise up from deep within your soul. If that's you today, will you raise your hand right now? Come on, nobody's looking at you. I'm not trying to earn points. I'm just trying to give you an opportunity. Come on, there's hands raised all over this room. That's amazing. Heaven is at attention. Let me pray for our friends, Father. I pray those that raise their hand, God, I pray that right now that they are <laughs> receiving this new life that you promised us. This new start, this new life. God, I pray for others in this room, God, that may feel like they failed, 
They might feel like Peter on that day where they heard the good news but didn't feel like it was for them. God, I pray right now, if there's anybody who needs a new start, a do-over, I pray right now that they respond to this word, that they raise their hand and they say, Jesus, here I am, God. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for reminding me of that today. Come on, if that's you, just receive. And then maybe for the rest of us, as, as the worship team leads us into this amazing song, and you think about and meditate upon the word today, what was spoken, maybe you've resonated with one or two parts of it, will you start talking to the Lord? Will you listen to the lyrics of this, this song? And maybe for you, the resurrection hasn't transformed you enough where you told somebody about it, where you told somebody with excitement and joy like these women did, he is risen. This is how it changed my life. This is how it changed everything. And maybe that's your next step is that you need to go tell somebody what Easter, not just tell them how great a service was or the worship or the kids Easter egg hunt, but you say, this is how it's changed my life and make it personal. God, I pray, God, that you challenge us all that we walk out of here, God, excited about the resurrection, excited about the empty tomb. And we can go tell others that you are alive, that you are risen. Yeah. 
no claim on me. Will you stand? Then came the morning and sealed the promise. Your very body began to breathe out of the silence. The rolling lion declared the pain has no for our Easter celebration. If you raise your hand in response, I want to introduce you to some of my friends. If you have a lanyard on, you're part of our response team, will you raise your hand right now so everybody can see? Come on, they're all around this room. I want to encourage you to go talk to somebody, okay? They have a Bible for you if you don't have one. They'd love to connect and pray for you. But God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. Have a wonderful evening. We'll see you next week. God bless.